It's quarter miles travel, where the adventure begins when you reach into your pocket. There's a story behind every state quarter design, a story that can take you on an adventure of your own, from one-of-a-kind landmarks to hometown heroes. Start your journey with Anita and Olivia, one quarter mile at a time. Hi, this is Anita Thomas, radio personality and on-air host of Travel Bags with Anita and Friends. I'm also the creator of Quarter Miles, a travel program with a bit of a different twist. I started this program on my radio show over a year and a half ago. It's all about being inspired to explore our country based on the U.S. Mint state quarters. Most of us were part of that rage of collecting them back in the day. And if you check your pockets or even your sofa cushions, you'll find a few of them waiting to inspire you today. Now, I've been asked, what made you think of a travel segment based on a quarter? I like to share that it was all a part of my annual review of what's been a good fit and what would make programming more interesting, entertaining, and educational. What would inspire our radio friends to go visit destinations around the country? And I feel that Quarter Miles is really all about pride. Pride in our respective states as well as our country. The state quarters feature all that is great about each state. And after all, each state selected what they felt best represented them. As a flight attendant with Pan Am, I travel to over 90 countries, and while there are beautiful destinations all around the world, I wanted to highlight all of the natural beauty of the United States, the history, landmarks, and interesting people who make our country an exceptional place to visit. So come along as we start this adventure, and check your pockets, pull out that quarter and flip it over, and Quarter Mouse Travel will take it from there. We'll help you turn that quarter into an adventure. Hello and welcome to Quarter Miles Travel, Episode 2. I'm Anita Thomas. And I'm Olivia Varnson. Quarter Miles Travel is all about the U.S. Mint State Quarters, which were part of the Circulating Commemorative Coins Program, introduced in 1999 and continued until 2008. On this episode, we are covering our home state, Georgia. The Georgia Quarter design features several state symbols. One is the live oak sprigs that border the state outline, and that's our state tree. A hanging banner quote, wisdom, justice, moderation. But the most prominent symbol is the peach, which is located front and center. And Georgia has a long history of being nicknamed the peach state. It's impossible to separate peaches from Georgia culture and iconography, even today. How did Georgia become to be known as the peach state? While there are historic peach farms located across South Georgia, it all really began in Augusta with a Belgian immigrant named Prosper J. Berkman. On his farm, he introduced peach varieties that we still enjoy today, Olivia. 
He grew over 300 varieties overall, and information on Mr. Berkman isn't readily available. In fact, the site of his farm is now overshadowed by one of the most famous golf courses in the rural, the Augusta National. It's really a fascinating story. I'm excited to dive into it. There are probably some Augustans who've driven along Berkman's Road, which was right near Augusta National, and not really know the whole story behind it, the fruitful history of Augusta, beyond Augusta National. That's a little pun in there. Yeah. (laughs) So many of the patrons of Augusta National may not be aware that they're playing on a former fruit farm with a history of developing remarkable fruit, peaches in particular. And the peaches are still a favorite here in Georgia, even, of course, if we aren't the top peach-producing state anymore. Two of the most famous Georgia peaches are the Georgia Bell and the Alberta. And those are two of my favorite. During peach season, I want the Georgia Bell and the Alberta. Those are my favorites. But what we do know about Mr. Bergman's comes from a multi-year research effort by Yuri Cato, a former CNN journalist, brand developer, and owner of Fruitland Augusta Vodka. We talk with Yuri about the history of Mr. Bergman's farm, the rise of the peach culture in Georgia, and how the farm eventually transformed into the permanent home that it is today of the Masters Golf Tournament. Yeah, this interview really blew our minds. So in the first clip we have here, we learn a bit about Yuri's history and then a brief history on Fruitland Farm. Uh, I was actually born and raised in Japan, uh, but I've been in this country longer than I have uh, lived in Japan. I, uh, I used to work for CNN. So I was uh, part of the, the media circus for, for a while. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, I did a little reporting on booze industry for CNN. And then uh, after that, I built my own agency that helped build brands of distilled spirits. And that, was, that became semi-successful. So at one point, this was about eight, nine years ago, uh, we decided, you know, let's do our own brand. And I've always loved Georgia. I love this whole Southern culture. So uh, when you hear Georgia, you know, we're the original peach state. So I wanted to do something local. I wanted to do something peachy. And uh, I spent about four years researching about the history of Georgia peaches, and that uh, brought me to uh, Augusta, which is the birthplace of uh, Georgia peach culture, thanks to uh, P.J. Berkman, uh, who came to this country from Belgium in 1850 when he was only 20 years old. And then uh, he he initially moved to uh, New Jersey, but he quickly realized that it was a very cold winter. So uh, he came down to Augusta, Georgia, uh, and he bought the uh, the farm, uh, which was called Fruitland Nurseries. And then soon later, he was 100% owner of the, the farm. And eventually, Fruitland uh, became the largest peach farm, uh, Georgia peach farm, I should say, back in the 1800s. And he planted over 3 million peach trees on that property. So he became known as the father of Georgia Peaches. And then after he passed away in 1910, uh, Bobby Jones and his partners bought that property to turn it into a golf course that we know of as uh, Augusta National today. But uh, Mr. Jones and his partners, they kept Mr. Berkman's house, and that's a clubhouse today. So that's the whole story. So everything we do, uh, it's, it's all things Georgia and Georgia Peaches. So that's why we have Georgia Peach Vodka and then Georgia Peach Tea Vodka. 
and they both are, uh, we're the only peach vodka that's made with actual Georgia peaches. And it's only sold here in Georgia. Well, that sounds very delicious to me. But we would love to dig a little bit deeper, I think, into the history. Yeah, how did, I mean, okay. there's not a lot of information online about this. So can you talk a bit more about your research and how you uncover this story? Because your website is really one of the only places, like, immediately available with this information. Exactly. And it's, it was it was really fascinating for me, too, because, you know, when you come to Georgia, you know, there are signs of Peachtree Street and, Peach, you know, welcome to the Peach State and Peach this, Peach that. But really, there weren't a lot of uh, history on Georgia peaches. So I really, you know, this is why I appreciate my uh, young ears at CNN, uh, you know, going back and forth be- between the libraries and doing the researcher, uh, because that eventually paid off. Um, I have to do a lot of leg, you know, leg work uh, doing this, and uh, you know, partially. Also, Mr. Berkman, you know, he's from um, Belgium, so a lot of, and he also studied horticulture in France, so a lot of the the documents are done in French. So we have to do a lot of translations as well. You know, nowadays with the internet and everything else, we don't go back to the actual papers. And that's what I have to do a lot of it. And that took me, uh, you know, for a long time. But So today, more than 90% of Georgia peaches are produced in Port Valley area, which is right next to Macon. But really, if you want to go all the way back to the beginning of Georgia peach history, it all started in Augusta and because of P.J. Berkman's. And if you, the folks who live in Augusta, they know the name Berkman's very well because there's that Berkman's Road right next to Augusta National Golf Club. Mm. Uh, so people are not familiar with it, but they do know what he's done. And, you know, funny thing is, when I was about to launch this brand, one day I get a phone call from the president of Augusta Tourism Office. <laughs> she goes, Hi, my name is so-and-so. Um, you know, we heard about what you what you have been doing with the uh, the city's uh, history and everything. And, you know, we're going to tell you, we kind of run your background because we thought first we're, you, you're making this up. <laughs> but your story checks out and, uh, you know, we're, we've been here 30 plus years and we didn't know anything about it. So we're kind of, you know, embarrassed by it, but this is a great history and we want to work with you. So, you know, a lot of people were, even locals, um, are greatly surprised by it. But then, you know, I I run into those folks who are well into 80s and sometimes 90s and their grandchildren, uh, they do remember those days of Fruitland. And it's it's really fascinating to meet those kind of, you know, people that remember Fruitland. But also Fruitland was a very, very successful uh, nursery overall. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was the largest Georgia peach farm, but um, they also produced a lot of other fruits and ornaments and um, trees and flowers. And, you know, by 1880s, they were mailing out, I think, like 25,000 catalogs. Uh, all over the world, from Africa to Asia to, I mean, really everywhere. So they were not just Georgia Peach uh, Farm. Well, I, I want to go back a little bit because it seems that even before the Berkmans, there was, that land was used also too for farming? 
by someone else? As far as we know, um, it was owned by a local uh, farmer. And it wasn't that big, but that farmer was the person who built that, uh, the original building that is now the uh, clubhouse at Augusta National. Yeah, that's what I was And Mr. Berkman came um, to Augusta, settled in Augusta, 1857, but the Fruitland Nurseries or Fruitland Farm was already in running uh, as early as 1856. So a year later, Mr. Berkman and his father, who was also a uh, horticulturist and a doctor, actually, uh, they took over 50%, and then a year later, they were 100% uh, owner of the Fruitland. And then from there, I mean, they just took it to the next level. And he's also the founder of Georgia Horticultural Society, and he served as the president of that society until his death. He was a big, big figure in the farming or horticultural world back then. Do we know where the name Fruitland came from? So why, why did they call, call it that? Because of all the fruit that was grown there? I understand that the original owner was growing peaches and apples and grapes and strawberries and a little bit of everything seems like was grown there. So do you do you know where the Fruitland name comes from? Right. So Fruitland, Fruitland, the name Fruitland was named uh, by the original owner of Fruitland, who uh, I, I believe his, his name was Redmond, and he's he's the one who named it, and that was his house as well. So eventually, uh, a year later, Berkman's family took over everything, and then the building, the main building, is where the entire family lived, actually. And he had three sons. Two of his sons, actually, after... P.J. Berkman died in 1910. Two of his sons actually returned to the property to help design Agatha National because they are also very successful landscape architects. Uh, I read on your website that his sons, they also, they worked, they did projects in New York and... Yeah, Radio City, yep. Yeah. Mm, and one of his sons actually became the very first uh, general manager of Agatha National as well. And then if you... Go back to the history of really the Augusta National. You know, it was built by basically two gentlemen, Bobby Jones, who was the Augusta native, and uh, Clifford Roberts, who was his partner. Clifford Roberts really is the mastermind behind this whole Augusta National culture. And according to his book, uh, he's the one who hired back Mr. Berkman's sons because they designed the course so beautifully. They named each hall, well, even today, each hall at Augusta National, 18 halls, they are named after some sort of flower or plant. And that's all because of Mr. Berkman's sons. That's pretty cool. I, I didn't know that. But do, do you know what drew the Berkmans to Augusta in the first place? Was it yes. them knowing about so, the farm already? Yes, they did. Um, they came to America First, first time they came to America in 1850 as a family, actually. And, you know, me being an immigrant as well, it's, you know, it, it's not like 20 plus years ago I came here. It, it was a horrific journey for them. And I, uh, I got to read his journal, actually, handwritten journal, of course. And, it, you know, imagine traveling all the way from Europe uh, to America, and then they first landed in uh, New York area, and then they um, came all the way down to, uh, to 
to Georgia uh, by derail trains and horses and all that stuff. So it was a, quite a journey. But, uh, you know, Mr. P.J. Berkman, uh, who is the main character in this, he originally wanted to settle in Georgia, in Augusta, actually, but his father insisted that they were going to settle in Jersey. So they first settled in Jersey, Jersey, but shortly after they realized it was very, very cold and it wasn't, it wasn't as good as they thought it was going to be. So they, uh, they shifted back to uh, Augusta. And back then, in the you know, late 1800s, Augusta was um, known as a vacation kind of re- resort town. Um, that's why uh, Clifford Roberts or Bobby Jones, they used to vacation in Augusta. And so it was, you know, it was a, like a little paradise back then. And then uh, after 1900s, you know, there was the World Wars and the Depression and prohibition and all those things. And also there was a major hurricane. Uh, so with all the things together, Fruitland just didn't survive. Is there any, um, I know you mentioned that there are people in the community who do remember Fruitland and the Berkmans and that, and that type of thing, but it's just not really well known. Does anyone know anything about his personality? I mean, what type of man was he? What was his personality like? He was a very giving person. He knew he was exceptional when it comes to growing things. Mm-hmm. And they were also very humble. I mean, his, his, all his sons were quite humble as well. So Mr. Berkman also worked as an editor and a writer for several magazines, uh, including uh, American Nurseryman and Garden Magazine and all those things. But he was, uh, you know, he traveled uh, across the country to give speeches. And uh, he was very active in promoting uh, horticulture and the whole uh, southern farming life. And then you also talk about on your website, he made some improvements on some of the different peach varieties. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So he invented several uh, kinds of Georgia peaches or peaches in general that we eat today. It really all started in in Augusta area. Over 300 varieties of Georgia uh, Georgia peaches that uh, Portland produced back then. And so he he was he was the person who was was actually creating and coming up with these different different types and different varieties. Is that correct? As far as we know, yes, that's what we learned. Uh, because the, like Georgia Bell is certainly a peach that is, you know, still a very popular one, as well as the Alberta. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. there, there are definitely some ones that are, continue to this day to be considered to be, you know, the top peaches, especially when you talk about Georgia peaches. Right. And he was also the first one to ship Georgia peaches out of the state as well. And then shortly after, like a year after Mr. Berkman passed away in 1910, uh, three of his sons, which they got along perfectly fine. And they actually made a history of uh, Georgia peach sale to a Jersey uh, market for over $100,000 back then. So it, it, it even made a story on Augusta Chronicle. I would say they, they were truly the pioneer back then. You know, when, when we talk about farming or horticulture today, it's, it's nothing very uh, sexy or romantic about it. But, I mean, back then, they were truly the uh, major player in Southeast. Well, I mean, it really sounds like they made an impact on certainly Georgia, the, you know, the horticultural society here. But as you're saying, really just in general, 
Uh, they just mm-hmm. made an impact. So do you know if, if, if you can talk a little bit about sort of that impact on Georgia horticultural history and if it still is considered to be, you know, or if he is still considered to be an important part of that? You know, I, I think it should be. Uh, when I found this out, I, my, my first reaction was like, why is it no one talking about this? You know, this this was like a hidden gem or gold mine that I found. Yeah, it took me, you know, four years to find out about it, all of it. But, uh, well, maybe not all of it. But, uh, you know, my first question was, why is it, you know, this story is so not talked about? You know, here's this, this is what I consider true American dream story. You know, here's a young man, 20 years old, came to Georgia from Belgium and, uh, you know, he's the person who went through all those, you know, difficult times from, you know, mid-1800s to all the way to 1910. And he's the reason why we're called the Peach State. And why is it not remembered? Right. So that's certainly, if not the most important objective that we have. I mean, we as, as a, you know, private company, yes, I mean, we have to sell cases and cases of vodka to survive, but really, you know, personally speaking, I think there's, a, there's such a huge cultural, social value to remembering what he's done and his, you know, true American dream story. And that's what, you know, that's why we focus, we try to focus on Berkman's story. Yes, Georgia Peach thing is, is great, and you know, of course, young people they want to know the recipes of a glass of lemonade or Georgia Peach Martini. Great, but really, you know, we really want to focus on this, the the historic side of how this state and the city of Augusta came together. Well, that that's why I asked earlier too about. Uh sort of his personality and just, you know, his, um, the way he kind of moved about in the community, uh, because I, I too find it very interesting that he's not talked about or that there's not more in Augusta that kind of highlights that particular history, because it really does, it really should and could shine a very, very special light on Augusta itself just because of that history. Right. And I think that's why the government officials um, and any, you know, tourism-related professionals from Augusta and all across Georgia, I think they are very supportive of us because we are trying to really bring back the lost history, uh, lost teaching history of Georgia and Augusta mm-hmm. itself. And I, and I feel that, you know, we're certainly grateful that there was this huge tie to the most famous golf course in the world and the most talked about golf tournament of the year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you think about it, Masters is the only major tournament that returns to the same destination each year. U.S. Open doesn't do it. PGA Championship doesn't do it. And Open Championship in Europe, they don't do that either. So, you know, Masters is, is a truly... You know, so to, to some people, it's it's a cult, mm-hmm. and that land used to be Fruitland. You know, we're grateful for it, but I think that may have been the reason why people just really focused on golf for Augusta rather than yeah the the actual history you know of that, the universe place of Georgia Peaches. 
That's a really, really good point because the Augusta National really has just kind of taken over and I can see that other things would be in it in, in its shadow, um, mm-hmm. almost instead of being in the forefront. Because you're right, I mean it's it's such a you know, phenomenal event and the fact that it does come back every year to the same location, you know, really does speak to you know, the, the importance of the of the grandeur, maybe even, uh, of that event. But, you know, it, I, I would love to go back a little bit, because I know you talked a little bit about uh, how Fruitland property became the Augusta National, but I'd love to know if we can kind of break it down a little bit more. I mean, was there one person who kind of said, this is the spot, uh, we're going to purchase it? Uh, how much was it purchased for, if you know that? So it was... Um... So Bobby Jones, he's the, the greatest golfer in the world. He, he, he's the only golfer in the world to this day who has had true what we call Grand Slam. Grand Slam back then was winning all four majors in one year. And he's the only person in history who has done that. And he also, a lot of people don't know this, but he also never turned pro. And he's a, a Atlanta native. So after shortly after he retired, he retired really early. You know, he wanted to build his own golf course, and he was looking around. And as far as I understood, he was because he's an Atlanta native. Uh, he grew up in East Lake Country Club uh, near the airport, and um, he wanted to have something near Atlanta, like Cobb County. Clifford Roberts, who used to um, vacation with Bobby Jones in Odessa. I understood that it was Clifford Roberts who eventually convinced Bobby Jones, hey, you need to take a look at this. This land is it. So, you know, they used to vacation together. Back then, Odessa was was the place to be, and uh, it was a fabulous place to be. The uh, winter weather was much nicer than Atlanta, so... That's how they came to it. But as soon as they opened it, now I'm kind of going into the history of the Masters or Augusta National, and I, I certainly am I'm not the, the best person to talk about it, but I, I do know a little bit about it. But, uh, you know, it was a struggle after they opened up. I believe their first tournament was 1932 or 33. Um and, you know, the, the Great Depression and the World War starting and all that stuff was, uh, it was a huge struggle. And Clifford Roberts was a very good friend with uh, Eisenhower, who made golf very famous in America eventually. So that's why, you know, I cabin and all that stuff at Augusta National today. But uh, it, was, it was certainly a struggle. So now let me make sure that I'm understanding, Yuri. So Fruitland now is the company that you all uh, produce your vodka. Is that correct? Or let me just make sure I understand what Fruitland is. is a brand of Georgia peach vodkas that we we own. So we have two products under Fruitland Augusta, the name Fruitland Augusta, peach vodka and then Georgia peach tea vodka. And we make that with actual Georgia peaches. We're the only peach vodka that's made with actual Georgia peaches. And we only sell it in Georgia. So, and then Georgia retailers, they cannot ship alcohol to other states. So really, people have to be in Georgia to be able to purchase it. Now it is available at Duty Free at the, at, at the Atlanta airport if you're traveling internationally, so you can buy that there. 
So, and like I also should uh, mention our signature cocktail. It's it's kind of like a peachy boozy Arnold Palmer. It's called Augusta um, Augusta Lemonade. So it's mm-hmm. um, peach tea, or peach tea vodka and lemonade, half and half, basically. Sounds delicious, and we do live in Georgia, <laughs> by the way. So, <laughs> okay, we we could get some. You know, we we love working with restaurants and places that are true southern. And in Savannah, uh, we work with the uh, Lady and Sons, and mm-hmm. they uh, they serve their own signature cocktail called. Uh, Savannah Lemonade, um, and it's, well, they told us it's the number one selling cocktail, and there's also Bohemian Hotel overlooking the river, uh, Savannah River, they have Georgia Peach Martini, and in, if you're in Atlanta, uh, there's Mary Max Tea Room, that's that's been around since uh, 1945, uh, they also have our signature cocktail, Augusta Lemonade, and their version of Georgia Peach Martini as well, so all those, you know, kind of first, the southern, you know, places are doing great cocktails with a brand and that's you know if you're just visiting georgia those are the places you can go and enjoy it but what i love about that is that you know here are berkman's uh peaches now in 2018 still being used and served around georgia so i love that yeah, yeah. <laughs> his can, legacy moves on his, his legacy on. continues on We learned so much from Yuri about Augusta's hidden history and how Georgia's identity came to be so closely tied to the peach. We were also inspired by all the years of research she put into discovering the root of Georgia peach culture. We decided to do some researching of our own to see if any more information has come out about the Berkman's family since Yuri first started her Fruitland project. In 2016, Leanne Caldwell published an article in Augusta Magazine titled The Legacy of the Berkman's Family. From there, we learned that Prosper's father was named Louis Matthew Edward Berkman's. He was born in 1801 in Lier, Belgium, and through his upbringing, he saw the Napoleonic Wars, the consolidation of his country with Holland, and eventually the unrest and succession of Belgium. All this may have contributed to his urge to immigrate his family elsewhere. He spoke French and German, was a trained physician, and also became a well-known horticulturalist. Prosper also studied horticulture at the Botanical Gardens in Brussels. And as Yuri said, at 20 years old, he traveled alone to the United States to search for a good home for his family. One place he looked was actually in Rome, Georgia, where Belgian expatriates had already settled. And Prosper's heart was set on moving to Georgia. But his family met him in New Jersey, and that's where they stayed at first. They opened a nursery and were well-received. But, as Yuri pointed out, the New Jersey winters eventually were too much for them, so they decided to move south. Dr. Berkman bought 145 acres of land near Fruitland Nursery, which was originally owned by Dennis Redman. Redman was an Irish immigrant who moved from New York to Georgia to work on the Southern Cultivator magazine, which makes you wonder if Prosper himself wrote and published articles in horticultural magazines Could it have started with this connection to Redmond? Dr. Berkman's bought Fruitland in 1858, and Redmond stayed nearby. He bought more land and called it Vineland, where he, of course, eventually cultivated a vineyard. If you'd like to learn more information about the Berkman's family and Fruitland, go to www.augustamagazine.com. Augusta National may always reign supreme as the main event in the area, but hopefully from this episode we've all learned that there's so much more going on in Augusta to explore, including exquisite cuisine, a thriving art scene, 
deep-rooted history, and outdoor adventures. So if you're planning to visit in April for the Masters or any time of year, consider checking out some of these spots. One favorite restaurant among locals is Frog Hollow Tavern. It offers affordable cuisine, stylish dining, eclectic bar and cocktails, and a wine list that boasts over a hundred wines. Frog Hollow likes to credit its fresh food to the regionally grown quality ingredients that are used throughout the menu. One of the favorite dishes there is the braised Berkshire pork shoulder, which is served with port wine and vinegar braised collards and smoked Gouda mac and cheese. Another spot that supports local and regional farmers is Abel Brown, a southern kitchen located in the Surrey Shopping Center. The menu there changes daily to ensure that you are getting served pure food and quality dishes every single time. A must-try is the Imperial Oysters, which include plump oysters topped with stoli vodka, creme fraiche, and watermelon. It's perfectly complemented with the refreshing signature Tea Hive cocktail. And if you're lucky, you may end up going there on a day where their special champagne pound cake is on the menu. If you enjoy the nightlife and rooftop views, and maybe even a celebrity sighting or two, check out the historic Partridge Inn's Bar and Grill. Over the years, many celebrities, golf elites, and politicians have stayed at the Partridge Inn and gone to the bar while they're there for the Augusta National. The guest list has included Bob Dylan, Reba McIntyre, Dennis Quaid, Michael Jackson, and James Brown. Speaking of James Brown, if you're a fan, check out the Soul Bar. This is a downtown night spot that celebrates the rhythm and soul of this larger-than-life singer. They feature artists who cover Brown's songs and pay tribute to the late, great godfather of soul. You'll also see that the walls are filled with decor celebrating James Brown's life. If you want to try our friend Yuri's Fruitland Augusta Vodka, go to Finch and Fifth. There's a lively atmosphere with chic interior. Finch and Fifth is an American bistro with creative dishes and good company. There's a large menu of Southern classics and modern fare. And of course, you've got to try the Augusta Lemonade, a local libation that pays tribute to the iconic Arnold Palmer with four parts Fruitland Peach Tea Vodka and six parts lemonade. Garnished, of course, with a peach slice. Another libation that uses Fruitland Augusta Vodka is the Peach Hound. They use the Fruitland Augusta Peach Vodka, Ruby Red Grapefruit Juice, and Grapefruit Ribbon. You can take in much of Augusta's rich history and beautiful scenery all in one go at the Augusta Canal National Heritage Area. Cruise along the Augusta Canal in a Petersburg boat where you'll be led by well-informed entertaining guides who narrate these open-air trips while you pass along 19th century textile mills, Confederate powder works, and two of Georgia's only remaining 18th century houses. You may also spot wildlife including heron, otter, and maybe even some alligators. And starting in April every year, on certain evenings, they host music cruises where guests are encouraged to pack a picnic, enjoy the beautiful scenery, and be serenaded by local musicians. The heritage area is also popular among hikers, cyclists, and runners who head for the Augusta Canal's wide level towpath, which was actually once used by mules to pull canal boats to the canal headgates. For more walks along the water, you've got to head down to the River City's Riverwalk a classic staple of Augusta's river region. This walkway runs adjacent to the Savannah River and is lined with greenery, historical monuments, and views of the city's architectural masterpieces. Every Saturday from March until November, the Augusta Market is held, bringing personalities of the region to life. Guests can browse through various local products, southern-centric cuisine, and accompanying live music that wafts down the river. 
And if you want to get in the water, you can rent a kayak from a local outfitter and explore the city by way of the Savannah River. Finally, let's go back to the Surrey Center where Abel Brown is located. You'll also find a large assortment of boutiques and restaurants that help provide visitors with several options all in one place, suiting any shopper on any budget. You can peruse the seasonal selection of garments on display and keep up with latest style trends at popular shops such as Lily Pulitzer, Fabrique, Talbots, and more. And with these few stops, we're really only scratching the surface of all the things there are to do and explore in Augusta. So if you want to see more options, go to www.visitaugusta.com. Okay, Anita, I think we have some restaurants in Savannah and Atlanta that we need to give a try to. I agree with you on that. And we need to try some of those cocktails and try some of her vodka, too, and make some really good drinks. But hey, the next time you're in Georgia, you want to check out those peaches? Or really, it sounds like anywhere around the world, when you see a Georgia Bell, Georgia Alberta, you know that those are from the Berkman's Fruitland Farm. Yes, so we hope you remember Mr. Berkman's story. And also, I think Yuri's story is really cool, too. To dedicate all these years of research and to be so committed to the Georgia peach as well and to turn it into something new, another you know, creative, inventive mind doing something different with Georgia peaches. So it's cool that that legacy still lives on. Absolutely. And I think Yuri's story as well is being an immigrant who's come to the United States and made something really special of her life, just like with the Berkmans, really tells a great story too. So we hope that you guys have enjoyed episode two, where we looked at the Georgia State Quarter and the Georgia Peach. And we hope you'll join us again for episode three, when we'll come back with another State Quarter and all of the history and unique information that a quarter can give you. So check out your pockets, flip that quarter over, and then leave it to Quarter Miles Travel, and we'll help you turn that quarter into an adventure. Quarter Miles Travel would like to extend a very special thank you to the following people and companies for their assistance and help with making this podcast. Brianna Reed with Pineapple PR, the Augusta Convention and Visitors Bureau, and our special guest, Yuri Cato, and to Fruitland Augusta.